Hello and welcome to Angular Rocks, podcast for those who want to know more about Angular. I am Alexey Kuncevich. The topic for today is Angular Change Detection, and I'm excited to introduce our special guest, Wasim Shegam. Hello, Wasim. Hello, thank you so much for inviting me. Wasim is working at Microsoft, building awesome tools for developers, and also contributing to Angular. Wasim, can you tell a few more words about yourself? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Wasim Shigam. I'm currently working at Microsoft as a senior developer advocate, uh, specialized in JavaScript and Azure. And basically, my role is to um, uh, be, you know, um, be the bridge between the uh, engineering teams at, at Microsoft who are working on the products and services and also be the voice of the uh, JavaScript community internally at Microsoft. And um, at the same time, you know, I contribute to open source projects. I also like create tools. Uh, I'm a, 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 like, uh, what you say, I, like an open source creator and author. So I have like a bunch of apps and tools. And yeah, basically, basically I've been um, into Angular since AngularJS, like since 2009, I think. Um, that was my first experience with AngularJS, and now Angular. And I know Wasim knows a lot of uh, internals about Angular. And so let's start uh, this conversation from figuring out what problem actually change detection solve. To answer this question, let's get back in history a little bit. So change detection is something that appeared with the um, MVVM pattern. Uh, that's something that uh, I think Microsoft introduced with the Silverlight and XAML. I, I might be wrong here, but the, basically the thing is, is to decouple the, the model from your view. So, uh, you know, separation of concern, um, this, this type of thing. So in order to not, you know, mix your uh, logic code with your view code, so you will ha have something that allow you to you know, facilitate the communication and updating the view and keeping your model and your view in sync together uh, without you know, having mixed code everywhere. So that's basically roughly, you know, very simply <laughs> the MVVM pattern that, that by the way, I think was implemented the first time in a JavaScript ecosystem by Knockout.js, the, mm -hmm. the JavaScript library. Yeah. So I think, I believe I'm, uh, that's, was the first library, JavaScript library, to implement the MVVM pattern and introducing what we call the two-way data binding, having a declarative primitive or instructions to help you keep the UI and your model in sync together. And then, yeah, came to AngularJS, uh, and now we have it in Angular. I believe other frameworks and libraries have it as well right now. It's becoming something, you know, very um, widely used. You know, it has some pros and some drawbacks as well, but um, it exists and it's been um, very, very useful for really um, complex applications. So why do we need it? Again, very simply, we need it in order to keep our UI and model in sync, either like with one-way binding from the model to the view or vice versa from the view to the model, or have it like a two-way um, two data binding and keep both of the uh, model and view in sync. 
It's like a change detection. It's kind of, it's something which glues the view and the model, yes. right? So to sync them together. So if anything changed in a model, you want to reflect this change Correct. on a view. Yeah. If anything changed in a view, you want to reflect that on the model. So they kind of work together. Yes, right? correct. Uh, yeah, I mean, when you're presenting your, your data to the user, you want to present them with the latest changes to the, to, to the data, uh, of the data, and vice versa when the, your, the user, for instance, if they click on a button or if they change a form field, you need to sync back that to the model. Uh, and that's where uh, you would need either to do it manually, that's, that's also a valid point, or use a tool or a framework or like a library that gives you this out of the box. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah, luckily we have all these libraries and tools which helps us to yeah. achieve <laughs> magic. I would call it magic. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, definitely it is magic because it's there. It's something built in into the framework. And like most of the times, and that's something I should probably told earlier, this is something you, most of the time you don't have to touch, you don't have to care about because mm -hmm. it's working. And um, it's like... The time where you need to really dive deep into change detection in Angular, especially, is maybe when you have performance issues in your application. We'll talk yeah, about it. But the thing is, if you don't yeah. have performance issues, never touch change detection. You don't have really to dive deep. <laughs> it's, it's like the best uh, rule of software engineering. I think it's not only uh, concerning the software engineering. There is such saying. It's, it's life, yeah. <laughs> if something's working, don't <laughs> touch it. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> unless, yeah. Unless you need to tune a performance in things like that. However, there is maybe situations or use cases where you want to touch Correct. it. And maybe we can just yeah, touch yeah. some of those cases. Can you name a few? So, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, when I you know, was building um, applications uh, before, you know, no, no, before joining Microsoft, I was working as a consultant for different clients here in France. So I've seen a couple of, you know, configurations, a couple of use cases. Um, one of them was I was working on this... Uh, you know, finance trading application. You know, basically where you will have you have to show um, um, the real price of some stock auction, something like that. Um, so there is like a lot of refreshes happening on the UI side, and we had issues with um, basically change detection uh, back then. That's like one of the uh, use case. Like when you have like high refresh rates on your UI you might need to disable the change detection uh, or like the change detector on the, the active component that's showing the price, for instance, every like 100 per second or something like that. I'm just like exaggerating here. So yeah, that's one of the points that you need to, to disable and like manually detect changes every whenever um, interval you, you need. Um, the other issue, you know, when you sometimes you need to listen for the uh, scroll bar, like when you scroll in on your page, that might also something that you need to disable um, your change detection because otherwise, if you're, um, let's say, listening to this scroll event, you will get lots of events firing per second, you know, and maybe you don't care about all those changes or those those events. Another example also on a different project was with the was the problem with websockets like uh we were like our team was using some third party websocket library and 
the the problem we had i remember if i remember correctly you know we always had like the first event being fired so we were able to change our data the first time but then all the subsequent calls they weren't detected by angular and that's because there was some issue with this implementation of the websocket library and uh, which wasn't being correctly detected by zone.js and you know being patched by the uh, let's say the uh, underlying implementation of change detection of, of angular so you will you had to like to you know import zone and like run your code inside a zone different zone and stuff like that so those yeah those are like very common issues that i can uh, think of right now and they first first like certainly there are like tons of different use cases out there um so maybe yeah maybe if um your audience yeah if they have like some some other use cases maybe yeah they could share them on twitter or, or somewhere oh yeah <laughs> i'd love to know more about yeah every like use cases the angular team would also probably be interested in learning about those edge cases of corn like you know in the real world um but again you know that's that's uh, how uh, you know and as an application developer <laughs> Things that you might encounter. Um, I'll keep thinking about more use cases uh, if I remember some of them uh, later on in this interview. Yeah, let's share them on Twitter, guys. If you have uh, any edge case you want to share, yeah, just share on Twitter. Probably I'll, I'll create a thread once yeah. the episode is released and I call for that. So, yeah, it would be interesting to know. You mentioned Zone.js. Uh, should we tell a little bit more about Zone.js, what it is, in, in a few words, and how it helps Angular change detection? Yes, sure. So Zone.js did something. I'm purposely saying something here. It's um, something that came from, I, I think, from um, from Dart, if I'm not uh, wrong. Um, and basically, to like, to put it simply, it's a, it's a utility, like JavaScript uh, library that sits, you know, uh, really um, under your framework or your library or your code. And it basically patches all browser and the DOM APIs. And I, as I mentioned earlier, like add event listeners, set timeout, set interval, you know, all this, mm -hmm. these primitives that deal with uh, async uh, operations and async calls. Whenever an async call happened, uh, basically, Zone.js is able to notify you that the asynchronous call or asynchronous operation has started and has ended. So then you can like run some code before or maybe after. Um, so that's like Angular is using Zone.js um, under the hood to detect when an, like a call has started and call has ended, so it can run the change detection for you automatically, you know, um, instead of having you manually uh, calling the uh, the change detection. Uh, but with, with Zone.js, currently with Angular, um, again, maybe 90% uh, of the time, you know, you don't have to care about it because it's automatically happening under the hood for you. And if you want to go more deeper into Zone.js, like more advanced, so there are some APIs that you don't want Zone.js to patch, so you can disable. If you don't want Zone.js to patch the AJAX call, you can disable that. 
if you don't want Zone.js to uh, patch your um, set timeout or set interval timers, you can disable that as well. So there is some configuration that you can do with, with Angular. There is like a, there, there is a documentation, to be honest. They mm-hmm. explain to you how to, if you want to disable some of the uh, Zone.js. However, really, really do this very, very carefully. <laughs> so really try to understand what you're disabling there because you might be disabling some API that might break some of your you know, feature in your application somewhere in your code and you will never know about it until you're going on production. So please do this carefully or never do it at, at all <laughs> if you don't have to. But that's that. It's, it's good to know that you have the option to do it. Speaking about tuning performance of Angular application, there is techniques which might be helpful to make your application work better. Like, for example, just changing change detection strategy. Sure, yes, yes. Right? So the thing is, um, so first of all, let's, let's try to understand how the change detection works in Angular, just like a high-level uh, mm-hmm. overview. So basically, you're... There is like there is a change detector per component. Like every time you create a component, Angular uh, creates a change detector that is associated to this component. So take your Angular application. It's basically a tree of components linked together with nodes and all stuff. So let's say in parallel to your component tree, there is this change detector tree that really match your Angular application. So for each component, there is a change detector that is linked to it. So whenever Angular has to uh, detect or like run a change detection uh, to update your view or update your model or run this you know, two-way binding, it basically starts from the root of your application and then propagate down to all nodes and all components um, to you know, try to detect any changes. And I think if Again, if I'm not wrong, when doing this on dev, like when you're working on your development, the dev version of your app locally, I think the change detection runs twice, maybe, uh, because of the debug options. So that's why, like, when you run it on production, and that's also why you need to deploy your app with a dash dash prod, because when you're um, building your application with prod version, like a prod mode, production mode, Basically, all the debugging information get stripped away, get removed from your application. And then that's why sometimes you hear um, that the production is more optimized or um, is more performant than this, the dev version because change detection runs only once. And again, that's that's maybe prior to Angular 12. I haven't checked the code of Angular 12 with IV. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe it's... Yes, they yeah. have dash dash prod by default. I know. Yeah, and I actually, uh, yeah, the dash dash prod by default was uh, a request from my team, from myself and John Papa and my team. I'm working on this tool at Microsoft called Azure Static Web Apps, which is basically, you know, a service that you help to deploy your static or Jamstack application. And um, we had lots of requests from Angular developers because they had to, uh, you know, uh, change their code in order to add this dash dash prod every time they need to deploy your app on Azure. Um, but, and that's something, you know, that we don't own it because it's Angular, it's Angular configuration. So, you know, uh, we kindly talked with the Angular team and uh, explained the, the issue and everything. And that's something that was supposed to came in Angular 11, by the way. <laughs> but, you know, 
things get delayed. And now we have it Angular 12. So thank you so much to Angular team for enabling the prod mode by default. So, you know, Netlify, Versal, uh, Azure Static Web Apps, and many others can just like build their application automatically into prod mode with the CI, CD configuration, all that stuff. Uh, but that's, again, that's a, a different topic for different <laughs> different podcast. Um, so yeah, uh, always when you're up in prod mode, because most of the time you have only one change detection happening and not twice. So again, Angular runs from the root of your application and propagate all the change detections. And, you know, um, it calls, I think it calls a, a method called uh, detect changes for each change detector um, instance. Uh, which basically, again, reflect your model um, on your view and vice versa. So this is how change detection work on your Angular application by default. So sometimes, put it simply, if you like, have like some small component that the main responsibility is only to show data, um, by default, Angular will also run change detection. They, because Angular doesn't know that this component their sole role is to only show data. So maybe here you need to disable the change detection because you know there won't be any change detection needed in your in this specific component. So for this, you can change the strategy of the change detection. Um, basically, you need to enable the on-push strategy for this specific component and for all the different components that are in the same situation. And by doing this, um, Angular will never run the change detection automatically for you. You will have to run it manually. Or um, I would say, so when you enable this strategy, Angular would only run the change detection once whenever the input changes. So if you have inputs to your component, to your presentation or component, you know, the add input, Angular will only run change detection on this specific property. It won't. It will not run run the change detection internally. So for this, you will have to you know um, inject the change detector ref and then call the uh, detect changes yourself whenever you think you need them. You have to design your presentational components from this point so you don't have to deal with change detection there. Yeah, you're correct. You're totally correct to mention that and. I would also add to this that it's not um, like when you're introducing the on push. It's not you know it's not magic. It's not like gonna like work flawlessly and everything because when you introduce the on push strategy, if you're not really you know if you didn't design correctly your component or your architecture your your Angular app, you might have problems because um, some like you know maybe you're calling some code in your template, but this code doesn't, you know, get changed, like detected or reflected, or whatever. Uh, if you if you if you have like uh, I don't know, uh, let's say, um, like the classic problem with on push, plus the you know the input property that you have on your component. Let's say if your container component is providing an array or a collection of items to your presentational component. So if you change one of the items in your container component, your presentational component will not detect that change because the reference, the collection that you're given is the same. It didn't change. 
So this is one of the issues. So like this is a like, classic one. Like whenever you enable yeah. this, like maybe 90% of the time you will have this issue because sometimes, you know, we all like provide, you know, references everywhere. And because in JavaScript, arrays are passed by reference and not by value. So there is like some fixes to this. Probably you need to, you know, to switch to observables or use the async pipe. Um, there is, like, you know, it's solvable. It's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not um, a huge problem. But just make sure, like, whenever you introduce on push, there are maybe some trade-offs that you need to take care of uh, on the other side. Um, so yeah, that's that's uh, one of the things. Uh, like, if you have like want to completely disable change detection. I wonder if on push change detection strategy might become a default at some point in the future. Who knows? However, there is something you can do within Angular CLI to make. Uh, on push by default, if yes. you want, you can set yeah, it up. Yeah, correct. I think there is a flag if you want. But again, I mean, mm -hmm. do this only if you 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 really like um, architectured and designed the, the the right way your your component, your presentation yep. components. I mean, yeah, maybe that's something I have never done this myself. But maybe that's something you want to do this from the start, like when you start your project. If you want, you can enable by default and then disable on like on a specific component but by mm -hmm. default you won't have on push everywhere and again I'm saying this I have never tried this myself so I don't guarantee it's gonna work maybe it's going to work I just haven't done it myself but that's a yeah that's a, that's another uh, another strategy to do uh, have on push by default enabled everywhere and uh, whenever you need to change like to run or trigger the change detection, so either you call it manually if you want to do it the hard way, or you just like switch to the default uh, strategy um, and then let Angular run this for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like you either set all to on push, but then if you need, you change to default or you have default by default, and then you change, say, on presentation components only. So it's kind of two different ways to approach it. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like, like everything in, you know, computer science and like software programming, everything. Um, if you know what you're doing, yeah, just go ahead and enable everything everywhere and, and then deal with the consequences. <laughs> if you don't know what you're doing, just like leave it by default and don't touch it. Uh, and this also, you know, applies to performance, to configuration, to mm -hmm. everything. Um, I mean, just trust the Angular team working on the project. Like they know what you're doing. They won't break your application. Um, so again, like most of the time, like just run Angular by default um, and everything would go smooth. And of course, I mean, I have to work on a project which was like, which lasted like four years, um, like mm -hmm. AngularJS and Angular. And I understand like things might get very, very, very complex uh, at some point, like whenever you add new features, new uh, change implementation, introduce bugs, introduce code, whatever. So yeah, at this point, um, I, I know that like unpush by default will never work because <laughs> you will spend your time trying to understand which, like have like maybe thousands of components. So, and you don't know which component is, is um, um, affecting, you know, the input or output of different components, uh, you know, because most of the time you have like maybe 40, 50 developers working on the projects. Not all of them are experts, like not all of them even 
know really how Angular works and everything. So um, again, uh, all these decisions needs to be made as a team. Uh, like just don't go by yourself and disable on push everywhere or enable on push everywhere, because otherwise you're going to introduce issues that maybe your teammates won't understand or won't know how to fix. Um, uh, but yeah, again, uh, we're going too far here in the discussion, but yeah, take this responsibly, <laughs> like every decision you make or <laughs> uh, make sure you're doing it correctly. And I hope you have some unit tests and some integration tests on the side that will help you, uh, you know, uh, prevent uh, or, um, you know, uh, I would say detect every issue or maybe your uh, your input is changing whenever you press on a press on a button or things like that. Um, if you don't have them, uh, please do add, <laughs> add add tests for this before uh, going uh, big bong and like enabling push everywhere. Unpush is one way on fixing issues, uh, performance issues. When it comes to performance, you know, with JavaScript ecosystem, uh, there are many, many, many root causes, you know, to this. And when it comes to Angular, it's not only zone or change detection, it might be really different issues. Like, for instance, say if you're having um, very, very, like really complex application with, like, let's say, I don't know, maybe like hundreds of forms with fields, with complex. So imagine if you have all this code in one single component, and your your HTML file, your template, has all this, you know, um, Angular directives, pipe, you know, all this async stuff happening in one single file. This also might be a performance issue because Angular have to parse, you know, all these templates and, um, um, you know, reapply all the internal bindings and everything for this 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 you know huge very huge template. Um, one of the fixes for this is to split your Angular you know your component to a different one, and that's obvious. Like everyone is doing this. Um, and again, um, other issues might come from you know your your the, the code that you're writing, not the Angular, but your personal implementation of different algorithms or stuff like that, or um, if you're, you know, if you're trying to tweak the DOM or things like that. So there are like, what I'm trying to say here is whenever you have performance issue, it's not always coming from Angular and it's not always coming from change detection. It might be other stuff. And that's why you need to investigate, you know, where, where, what is the root, what, what is the root cause of the issue? Uh, use like dev tools, use other tools to help you with this. Um, and, and, and yeah, and, um, Things are going to get uh, better after that. <laughs> yeah, it's a great uh, tip uh, to split up your application to small pieces. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the SRP pattern, like single responsibility. Um, and, you know, really have like small components dealing with, if you can, like one single responsibility, like showing a, showing mm -hmm. a price or showing a user profile or whatever. Uh, of course, you will have lots of files to deal, you know, with and everything. But at the end of the day, it's really uh, great to have like these small pieces um, because, of course, you, if you want, you can <laughs> disable change detection in one of these presentational components or at some, you know, parent that controlling other 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 uh, node in your app. 
And it's also like, is it easy to test? It's easy to replace? It's easy to re-implement if you have some issues? It's easy to, you know, if your investigation uh, bugs or whatever, it's easy to locate because let's say if you're on your app, on your UI, you see like, okay, you don't have, uh, like the username is not printed or it's printed undefined, undefined or something like that. So you know where to go in order to fix that issue because you know that's a component that's coming from the, I don't know, username component. Okay, you need to look, you know how to locate this file and it's easy, I mean, easy in quotes, I'm quoting this. You don't see it, but I'm using my quote <laughs> expression here. It's easy to fix, you know, because you can quickly identify the issue. I do have two episodes that I touch in single responsibility principle, uh, the Angular building blocks awesome. episode and a application folder structure episode. In case if anyone wants to learn more, check it out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the uh, best practices in the you know um, mm-hmm. not only Angular but in you know software engineering <laughs> in general. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not about Angular at all, right? It's like software engineering practice. Of course, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. A single principle, yeah. Uh, single responsibility principle. Um, mm-hmm. You know, also you know the famous dry. Don't repeat yourself. Wasim, what do you think in the future? Will we still need change detection in frameworks in this paradigm of model oh, and um, view? Like maybe we will have some other inventions there, or maybe we stick to other paradigms which won't need chain detection. So I mean, to be honest, I don't know because um, I I can't predict future like any any uh, like anyone else. Um, however, the thing is like this MVVM pattern that I mentioned in the beginning, uh, I think it was introduced in uh, mm-hmm. ninety nine or ninety eight by my by Microsoft. So, you know, it's very, very, very old pattern and we're still using it today in different applications that require a uh, event, like an event-driven applications. Uh, whenever you have like a UI, um, because that's, that's like a proven pattern, it's been working. Um, there have like many, there have been many iterations, many improvements of the pattern. Uh, there have been many names as well, but at the end of the day, it's the same thing, <laughs> the same concept. That, that's why I'm, I would say, like, I don't think it's going to change because it's working and like whenever, whenever something is working, they'll touch it. <laughs> uh, <Exactly. what> <laughs> um, maybe, you know, um, um, and again, I'm, I'm seeing this to, you know, what I call the classic applications, like f- with forms, like maps, whatever. I don't know for games, like, I don't, I have like have zero experience in game development. I don't know what they use as you know in terms of patterns and concepts. Maybe they use completely something different. Maybe they use the same pattern. Um, I guess they use they are using the same pattern because you know you have like a mouse. You click. You get an event. You react with the event, and um, that's that's whenever you have like a UI, like a graphical UI, that's the easiest thing to do to implement. So that's something I, I think will last for the maybe coming five, 10 years, um, except, you know, if someone invented a new mm-hmm. way of dealing with stuff. Uh, but again, uh, whenever, like, if someone invented a new pattern, it won't be adopted very quickly. Then we'll have to wait maybe 10 years after before adopting it. So maybe for the 20 years to come, we'll still have this kind of pattern probably in different names, in different implementations, but at the end of the day, it's the same pattern. You click, you react to the uh, to the event, and you trigger um, a change or something like that. 
Um, you asked the question like if, if change detection would be implemented in the browser at some point. Um, it's it's very compl- difficult uh, topic because I know I think I know that um, Mishko Hevry has uh, created a proposal for uh, you know to add mm-hmm. ZoomJS to the browser. Uh, I, I don't know what's the status about this proposal. I think it's um, it's still stale. Um, there have um, maybe I'm wrong. I haven't checked it recently. But yeah, there have been some proposals, maybe some proposals, probably by different people. However, things are really moving very, very like slowly because you know whenever like introducing something you know to the browser and especially to the to the JavaScript ecosystem is very difficult because because whenever you introduce a new API, it's gonna live there forever and you will never be able to remove it. Uh, you know, take the uh, double equal, triple equal, you know, all the stuff. Yeah, you can't remove features from JavaScript once they have been in standard, you know, in the standardized by by the by the ECMA. So, if you want to introduce a ZoneJS or a similar API to Zone into the browser, you need really to really think about it very very carefully for years, maybe years before you know having it into the browser. So again, uh, um, in the coming years, I'm not sure we'll have change detection built in in the browser. So we will still rely on some tools. Maybe there will be new tools. I'm, I'm sure. Like uh, that's obvious. That's JavaScript ecosystem. There is a new tool every day. There might be some some new um, new library or utility library in in the future that maybe. Uh, is inspired by Zone or like a different implementation from Zone, whatever, uh, to do the same thing. Maybe that's maybe this it already exists. Um, because I'm just talking about Zone because we're talking about Angular here. But uh, so yeah, folks who are listening to this podcast, if you know about different implementation, please share on, on Twitter. Uh, I'm I'm really yeah, I'm very interested into into this. Um, for for simple you know for simple apps, if they exist, <laughs> you don't need Zone. You don't need change detection because uh, you have like the basic primitives, add event listener, you add a callback, it you know, you react to the callback and 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 um you, you can you can trigger and that's something that a fun exercise to do by the way. You could probably implement your own change detection using this basic concept, you know. Um but I, I think you will end up doing the same thing as as zone anyways. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, if you're curious. So um, so yeah, um, I think that's like my personal opinion. Again, uh, it's very difficult to add new features to the browser uh, and also to JavaScript. And um, I'm not really sure we will have something right. <laughs> in the near future, at least, uh, similar to change detection yeah. built in the browser. I don't know if it's a good or bad thing, but you know, um, I think it's better for everyone not to introduce. Uh, a feature that maybe end up being a bad feature in the f- in the future, or maybe introduce some uh, uh, performance issues built into the browser because it's going to be really really difficult to remove it from the browser. But how how what what's your opinion? Do you think we'll have something in the future? In oh the man, it's a very tricky question. <laughs> so <laughs> if you ask it myself, yeah, I mean. I would pretty much give the same answer as you gave. So it's hard to predict the future. I wish there would be something there which will simplify the change detection even more. And we won't have to uh, 
deal with uh, all these age cases, uh, trying to tune it. I want to just work, you know, like, you know, there is like self-driving cars, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, I want it to be like a self-driving yeah. car, if you see what I mean. Yeah, they crash sometime, but <laughs> they still self-driving. Yeah. I like this concept. Um, so, And I wish change detection would be exactly <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I understand. I understand. Um, so I remember, yeah, in the in, in like with Silverlight and uh, and Action Script and Flash, you had some different. I mean, these these concepts uh, of like MVVM and change detection and two way binding and everything. Um, yeah, it, it was working great. Um, I, I I can't think of any performance issue other than the the, the SDK itself and the, the tools itself themselves. But I mean, yeah, having this in the browser is very, very tricky, and uh, because like how 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 do you disable this? How how do you enable it if you want? How do you disable it per action or per you know? Because the the browser doesn't care about you know they don't they doesn't care about component or whatever. It's just like a rendering engine, you know. Um, so um, I th yeah again I'm 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 confident here. I think we will. <laughs> We won't have this change detection implemented in the browser anytime soon, uh, to be honest, because it's something that belongs to the user land, and that's something that be can be implemented in as a library. So, so I think that's something that most browser vendors uh, maybe uh, use as a um, uh, like uh, to to justify you know new should the feature be implemented in the browser or not. So if it can be implemented as a library. It shouldn't be on the browser. Um, I, I think that's most of it here. Um, but again, I might be wrong. I'm not, uh, you know, I can't predict it. So maybe we can have another episode uh, <laughs> predicting the, the future. future. We will predict <laughs> different futures on this one. <laughs> we can pick any number of topics to, to predict. <laughs> You could probably invite uh, Elon Musk, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> we can ask him, what's the Bitcoin price uh, for the next week? <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Thank you, uh, Wasim, for participating in this episode. Thank you. I just wonder how people reach you out if they want to ask you any questions. Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, I am mostly active on Twitter. Uh, Manikineko, that's my Twitter handle. Um, I mean, you can... Reach out to me there. My DMs are open. Uh, you don't have to follow me if you have questions or whatever. Uh, I might take some time to respond because I have tons of people asking questions. So um, please be patient. But yeah, that's mostly where I where you can reach out to me. Um, uh, if it's open source related, open source related, or I'm also on GitHub, obviously. So um, if you have some issues or bugs with one of my projects. Please create an, create an issue there. Uh, I'll be happy to to uh, to help you with that. Um, yeah. So Twitter, Manikiniko, and uh, yeah, say hi. <laughs> right. Great. Thank you for sharing all these details. I will put all the links into the show notes. And now it seems like a time to wrap up. Uh, thank you, Wasim, for being with us today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm Alexey Kunsevich, and this is Angular Rocks. See you in the next episode. Bye.